Welcome into our Thursday, May 19th edition of Sport Flash on the Sport Flash Media Network. I'm Joe Will, joined by my co-host, Tyler. Uh, we've yeah. got a lot going on, a uh, lot going on. So, Tyler, how are you doing before we jump Good, good, good. It says now. here I'm supposed to ask how Clack's doing. Clack, how are you doing? Oh, wait, he's not here again. Yeah. He's having Clack, fun being in the Tennessee dugout or something. Yeah, Clack's, Clack's a big show shot now so he's got media credentials either that or they're using him as the the baseball for the game uh, i think he fits the uh the profile for that now i'm just messing around but clack is you know lucky enough to get the uh credentials to go to some games so that's that's good for him and it's helping out our our you know growth as a network so man i don't even know how to to, to delicately dive into this whole big saving situation here. I feel like we have to kick off with that. I agree a hundred percent. So basically for anyone that didn't see Nick Saban, I actually don't know what prompted this. If he just said this out of the blue or like, so there was, so they're doing the, the world games, I believe in, in Huntsville or Birmingham and they're coming mm-hmm. up and on Wednesday night, um, yeah, it's the 50th, 50-day countdown until the World Games. And so they were kind of just talking about I mean, uh, Nick Saban was there, Nate Oates was there. They were kind of just there shooting the shit pretty much. And um, <clears throat> that's basically, I guess they got on the topic of NIL and then it kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, so Nick Saban basically came out and said that Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M Aggies paid for their number one recruiting class with NIL deals. And then he also went further and went against Deion Sanders and uh, Jackson State and said that the only reason that they got the number one recruit in the country is because they paid him a million dollars. Yeah, and his his quote was, we were second recruiting last year and it was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. Which, before we go off the complete deep end or off the rail, whatever we want to say, that is a factual statement. Yeah. I mean, you can go look it up. A&M spent a the most money out of any team. Of yeah. yeah. And it's not even like a hush hush thing. It's, I mean, it's something you're allowed to do now. Yeah. Nowadays. It doesn't have to be hush hush hush. And I don't know why Jimbo Fisher got so defensive about it personally. And then. As well, like everyone's trying to pile on Nick Saban. I've seen a bunch of people trying to dunk on him. Just real quickly, I'll address the ones that I can remember. Uh, someone saying that, oh, you know, Jimbo Fisher came out and said we didn't cheat. Like Nick Saban never said you guys cheated. He just said you paid for the number one recruiting class, which is factual. Because I, I think I saw the stats that like going into that season, they they were like, what? eight and eight or something like that and yeah they they had a horrible uh, and they had like two five-star recruits and then the next season like with like a 500 record they had eight five-star recruits in the number one recruiting class in the country what's the difference it's the fact that the nil exists and uh you know a&m has the i think the second largest population for any public school like attendees and so 
they can afford to uh, shell out quite a bit of money for that. And, um, oh gosh, what was the other one? There was one more too that really kind of bothered me. People saying that, oh, Nick Saban like, is paying players, like the whole Bryce Young argument. One, Bryce Young was a sophomore when he got his deals. We didn't lure him to the school with the promise of a million dollars or whatever. And then two, Nick Saban also never said it's a bad thing that you can do it. I mean, I guess that's the overall implication, but he never said that we're not going to pay the players. He's just saying that AM did this and then people kind of took it out of, con- like spiraled out of control and have been accusing him of all, a whole bunch of different types of things. And interestingly enough, um, Jimbo Fisher, I guess, insinuated that like Alabama was doing some sketchy stuff in the past when he was part of the team. But he hasn't come out and said anything about it. I don't know if he's scared that that'll implicate him as well, or if he's just, you know, talking stuff to talk stuff. Well, and the the dumbest thing about all of it was that Jimbo Fisher is somebody who's praised Nick Saban. He's been one of Nick Saban's biggest supporters. So for him to turn around and just completely throw Nick Saban's name in the mud and and bash him is just, it's, it's ridiculous. And um, this wasn't even like how the timeline of this went was that these comments were made. People were like, oh, that's interesting. Saban said that. Um, this wasn't even the biggest deal initially. It was initially people were all riled up because uh, Saban had mentioned um, Jackson State and how mm-hmm. they, he didn't use Travis Hunter's name, but he was hinting at the fact that they paid Travis Hunter. Uh, I believe it was like a million dollars. It was a million dollars. But I thought he said the number one in recruit. So, I mean, you know it's Travis Hunter. Yeah, so it was very clearly Travis Hunter. Didn't use his name, but um, Nick Saban said that he had, you know, that was basically where we were at right now, and he was questioning if that was, you know, sustainable. And uh, people were getting upset about that, saying, oh, he went there because – he wanted to play for Sanders. He wanted this, that, and the other. Let's be Yeah, frank. it's an HBCU, like, all this I'm stuff. sure those were contributing factors. Mm-hmm. But when you're the number one recruit in the nation and you can get a million dollars and, you know, all this Barstool stuff because Deion Sanders is affiliated with Barstool, you're not going to turn that down. You're yeah. Go- he- we talked about this before. Travis Hunter didn't go to Jackson State so that he could be prepared for the NFL. He went there for the money, and maybe the HBCU is probably a factor in it, but he's not. nobody's going to play at Jackson State to prepare themselves for the NFL because if that were the case, then, um, you know, you would see this becoming more of a thing, and I don't think it's going to happen. And mm-hmm. on Twitter, I said, you know, I was comparing what's Eli Ricks who transferred from – LSU to Alabama who's mm-hmm. going to be more ready for the NFL next year or when I don't know when Travis Hunter whenever he ends up going pro who's going to be more ready for the NFL is it going to be Eli Ricks who's playing for the best team in the country and the best conference in the country or is it going to be Travis Hunter who's playing Jackson State yeah and like they I, I will say there, but I, I will start this sentence by saying I think that you have uh, uh, like two prime examples of the NIL working well and the NIL working poorly, right? 
So for Texas A&M, it's kind of the rich get richer. They already had a top five recruiting class the year before, and then now they have five or seven five stars coming in because they can shout the money. And I think that that's bad for the sport. Like you look at Alabama's going to benefit, USC will benefit, Texas, Texas A&M. They're all going to get richer. Um, but I actually do think that while it's factual that he went to Jackson State for the million dollars or whatever that was offered, I think that that's a, a, an example of the NIL working in a good way. Right. Like it allowed a school that normally wouldn't get a top recruit like that to get someone to come in and really bolster their program. And I'm all for that, like all for more parity. Um, but I will say that being said, what you said about who's going to be more ready, I think HBCUs across the country had like five players drafted in the entire draft last year. And I'm pretty sure Alabama had more than that on a on a week like rebuilding year. So. <laughs> It's just, yeah, at the end of the day, you're not going to get the same level of coaching, the same level of competition. I mean, you look at first-rounders, right? Every year there's one or two first-rounders that come and play at small schools, but it's only one or two. And could Travis Hunter be one of them? Absolutely. But as a guy who's not a quarterback playing in a weak conference against weak people, I don't know. Like that's, I think that's going to hurt his stock quite a bit. Like the, the last... The last time that a guy from like a non-power five school went really high, like Trevor Penning go 19. And yeah. I think he was the highest non-power five. And it it totally can happen. We're not saying that it's not going to. And we're fully, it just it, clearly, fully in support of players getting their money. I think this is something that's well-deserved. Um, and I, this is not a knock against Jackson State, but I'm just saying that um, – he went there because of the money. And Deion Sanders, I believe, he had a, a tweet that he had that was saying he was going to speak on – yeah, he said, you best believe I'll address that. why Coach Saban told him tomorrow. I was awakened by my son Shadir Sanders sent me the article saying that we paid at Travis Hunter a million to pay it to play at um, Jackson State. We as the people don't have to pay our right. people to play with our people. Which, Which is dumb was, because how many of your people have played there before the NIL was a thing? Like yeah. zero. But um, I saw I, I saw today that that Saban and Sanders, you know, had spoke with one another today. So I'm sure that's straightened out. But I don't think this Jimbo Fisher stuff's gonna get straightened out any soon. Um, you know, well, anytime you say just the things I don't even know where to start. I mean, um, what did he say? He said we're done. He showed you who he is. He's the greatest ever, huh? When you've got all the advantages, it's easy. And then another quote that he had was um, basically saying that he wasn't a liar, and um, if he was a liar, he would get slapped, and that Nick Saban must have not gotten slapped as a kid when he did dumb stuff, which is completely crazy because Nick Saban has said before that his, you know, he came from a strict household where he was disciplined and all that. So that's noted for well, Jimbo to come out and say that and also for uh, Nick Saban, who is the greatest college football coach of all time, needs to get slapped. It's just such an aggressive thing to say and completely immature. Yeah, and also, like, 
all of a sudden Jimbo is saying all these bad things about Nick Saban as if, as if he hasn't been the pinnacle of both on-field performance and, you know, off the field, like support for the sport for the last 20 years. Right. <laughs> like I have houses here. He's insulting Nick Saban and all, all about these coaching stuff. But like my dude, you're, you've consistently underperformed with a team that should not be underperforming like this. Yeah. And so, what, I don't know. The, the whole um, re- referring to Saban as a God and calling him a, what do you call him? A, a czar or what? He called him something like he's just acting like a complete jackass. And um, what I did see yeah. was that um, the oh, go ahead. Yeah, and then also I didn't know if you saw this, but um, the Texas A and M AD Ross Bjork tells uh, Sports Illustrated that Nick Saban's comments violate SEC sportsmanship bylaws, and he's been <laughs> in contact with Greg Sankey. And he called the comments a personal attack and suggested that Saban was lashing out because he feels threatened. I don't like, I don't, it's just getting blown completely I mean, out. Of he did lose to Texas. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, how can you say that Nick Saban's comments were threatened? He didn't say anything threatened. He just spoke his, his bond, his, spoke his piece on something. Oh, and I know. I'm Jim, just joking. Yeah, Jimbo Fisher's the one that came out saying that Nick Saban needs to be slapped. So if anything, that was a personal attack. Um, it just, just feels the fire. Uh, we've already got beef with Texas, University of Texas, for um, all this stuff going on with them. And then now we have beef with Texas A&M. So um, Alabama's putting the, the state of Texas on notice next year. And when we play UT September 10th and – uh, A&M on the 8th. It's going to be really interesting. And that's a game. Yeah, I'm that's, a home, looking- that's a home game. I might have to try to see if I get tickets for that one. Not in a... What is it? What's their stadium? Is it Kyle Field? Yeah, it's not in Kyle Field. Um, but yeah... <sighs> That's a kind of a brief summary on that whole situation. And I thought I'd get more fired up about it, but I've kind of just lost energy because I've just been going back and forth on Twitter about it today. But I have a calming. Um, some other Alabama. You do. Um, another Alabama news thing that went on today that kind of fell by the wayside was that. Um, Alabama women's gymnastics coach Dana Duckworth stepped down, which was uh, a bit of a surprise because, I mean, she's been here for yeah. a while and has a reputation for, for being successful. And um, I'm trying to find, yeah, so the thing was the exact like press conference was Dana Duckworth's been elected to step down as head coach following her eighth season at the home. Um, Duckworth said it's been an absolute honor to compete for a recruit and coach so many amazing women who have been a part of the Alabama Gymnastics family. I cherish the relationships being made by part of this program and our alumni sisterhood. The experiences we shared will stay with me for the rest of my life. This decision was not an easy one, as I am forever grateful for our student athletes, their families, my staff, and fellow coaches. The University of Alabama is a special place, and I care deeply about the gymnastics program. 
But after 27 years of the involvement, I've decided to step down and focus on my family for now. I have all the confidence in the world in this team and wish nothing but the but great things for their future. So definitely yeah. a, a powerful statement there. And um, props for her to, you know, just be able to step away on her own terms. Hopefully everything is okay with her family and, um, and wish her the best. And, you know, it's not common that coaches can get the chance to, to step away on their own terms and uh, can just spend time with their family. So best of luck to her. And I guess the search continues or not continues, but the search starts up. Yeah. We'll start up to, to replace her and, She's not going to be somebody who will be easy to replace, but I'm sure Greg Byrne and, and company will, will find somebody who can come in and immediately uh, pick up right where she left off. That is one thing I like about Greg Byrne is I'm relatively confident anytime he's looking for a coach. He always does a pretty good job. I will say on the flip side, I think he might be a little too loyal to certain coaches. You know, like once he has his people, he will fight to the death for them. To Brad Bohannon? Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, 27 years, a long time. She was an assistant coach for 14 and then took over as head coach in 2014. So, and it's, it's not often, like you said, that they have kind of an amicable breakup where like both sides are pretty happy. I mean, Alabama didn't, you know, win a national championship or anything, but it's not like they were bad. They were pretty good this year. Didn't they finish like second or third in the SEC? So yeah, they were always in the conversation and always had, you know, some of the top gymnasts really in the country. Um, yeah, so let's see. What else do you want to talk about before we... Uh, um, Jordan Addison. It's true. You did scream from the rooftops that he was not going to Alabama. And as of the time of us preparing for the show and starting the show, the team that he's going to commit to changed. So I guess the situation's still not hundred percent settled, but originally it was reported he's going to go to Texas. Now it's reported that he's barring a last second change. He's going to go to USC, which I would prefer because Texas is getting pretty dang scary over there. So, um, but I mean, USC, it makes sense. You said it from the beginning, uh, but he's childhood friends with Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley can definitely make players shine. I mean, there's quite a few. And you're like, playing in the worst conference too, so. Yeah, and there's uh, there's quite a few players or like wide receivers, especially that have kind of flourished under Lincoln Riley. I mean, you have like Hollywood Brown, you have C.D. Lamb. Um, so I think that that's a great fit, and he's already he won, you know, the best receiver in the country with. Kenny Pickett and you know Kenny Pickett was the only first round quarterback this year but I think Caleb Williams is probably going to turn out to be a better quarterback than Kenny Pickett so that's going to be huge for USC yeah this is one of the rare occurrences where I say something on Twitter and I'm actually right as it come back to bite me in the butt I had uh, a lot of people say that they have like a screenshot of that and save that tweet and even I know personally when that video came out of or I don't know if it's video or like Instagram story of Bryce Young working out Addison. I was like, holy crap. Like, I can't delete this because I look bad and people already have a screenshot, yeah. so I'll just keep it up. But um, I stuck to my guns and I remember when I said when that video came out, my thought process was like, oh, Bryce is from California. Like, you know, Jordan, they're just working out together because they happen to be there. And 
Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm glad I was right about that. And I'm also glad he didn't go to Texas because they have arguably the best running back in the country already. So giving them arguably one of the best receivers when we play them is, uh, is not something that I would look forward to. But at the same time, you know, you can't be scared to play anybody for Alabama. I still feel like we have a pretty yeah. solid a bunch. But I think going to USC um, with that program and having Caleb Williams and all that they have going on there makes a lot more sense than going to Texas where um, Quinn Edwards could be a great quarterback, but he transferred from Ohio State. Like, you don't know how good he's going to be this year. Yeah. And I think Caleb Williams, it's safe to say – that although he had a small sample size of success last year, like we talked about, um, mm -hmm. he has shown that he can't be a uh, a pretty solid quarterback. So um, Addison, you know, props to him for going out west and he gets to tear up those not great Pac-12 defenses. Hey, Washington year. has very solid corners. Okay. Um, they but, do, but the rest of their defense always seems to be horrible, which is such a weird – other than, like, Vita, Vita Bay for a couple of years ago. But you're right, though, like, Kyler Gordon. Um, Trent McDuffie. Trent McDuffie. Um, I'm was, blanking on the Cardinals. But, uh, yeah. Byron Murphy. Mm -hmm. uh, there's somebody else. Like, they always do have great corners. But, you know, USC – Oregon, I guess Oregon. I mean, the, the conference is just is not great. We can agree on that for sure. Yeah. So uh, a couple of like random thoughts popped in my head while you were talking, and I just kind of wanted to bring them up to you. One thing that, you know, we're talking about being scared of potentially Texas. Um, one thing that I don't think anyone's talking about besides fans of the team themselves is Georgia. I don't think anyone's really scared of Georgia this year. And like, they might be pretty good. But in my mind, like, you know, 80% of their starters that played a good role in them winning were seniors and they went to the draft, right? Like they lost Nicobe Dean. They lost uh, the um, Trayvon Walker. They lost Jordan Davis, Devontae Jordan Wyatt, Devontae Wyatt uh, Quay Walker. They uh, lost uh, Louis Seen, new Viking. Shout yeah. out Louis Seen. Uh, they lost George Pickens. So, like, and, James and, Cook. yeah, they lost James Cook. And um, what's his name? Uh, Jermaine Burton transferred to Alabama. So they got Eric Gilbert from LSU. And then, but other than that, they lost a bunch of people. And so, I, I don't know. I just don't think they're going to be nearly as dominant. Do they have Eric Gilbert and Darnell Washington. And you're forgetting Brock Bowers, who's arguably I, the best see, of the three. I knew that they, I knew about Brock Bowers, who was the best tight in the country last year, mm -hmm. and I knew they had Darnell Washington, but I forgot they got Eric Gilbert. I'm pretty sure yep. Gilbert and Washington were like the top two tight ends, um, in not last year's class, but the year prior. Well, when you is, have a quarterback that only throws to tight ends, it yeah makes I sense actually, to have three good ones. Personally, I think Georgia will be better than they were last year. No, how do you be better than a national championship? Okay. <laughs> Offensively, I think they'll be better. Um, that national championship team, I think, was a great team, but I think they didn't 
really necessarily catch. I mean, we saw what Alabama did to them when Alabama was full speed. Yeah, but so, you could also. I mean, they they won the national championship fair and square, but I don't necessarily think they were the best team in college football and you know Georgia fans. I, I do not think they. I do not think they make the playoffs this year. Bold prediction. I'm saying that right now. I don't know. I mean, I think on defense, like you lost Jordan Davis, but you have Jalen Carter, who's a stud. Uh, they always seem to have a great defensive line. Linebacker play always seems to be solid as well. The and only, then, the only thing that I could see them like competing for their offense the playoffs. Would be well, the only better. reason I can see them competing for the playoffs is they play in the SEC, but they play in such a weak division, right? Like Florida's good, and then who else is going to stop them? Tennessee, um, like I don't know who they play next year. I know, but with Georgia right now, pretty much their only uh, path to not making the the SEC championship every year is like Florida beats them and then goes undefeated. So, I think that really helps them. I think the SEC will be a lot more competitive this year than there was. I think the but, last probably two years have been a bit of down years. But that's all in the SEC West as well is my point. Like, I, I don't know. There's just no – so, Georgia plays Oregon this year. That could be interesting. You know, Bo Nix, I think, is a dark horse Heisman candidate this year. He's having fun. He's whatever. You know, you know the spiel. Um they play Auburn, which is, you know, like Auburn could be okay, more likely. Actually, no, Auburn's going to be a dumpster fire. Their program's kind of been imploding on itself at the moment, yeah. or it was. Um, who even is Auburn's quarterback? TJ Finley. Or Zach Calzada. I mean, they don't have... Their... Oh, I forgot they got Zach Calzada, the Alabama Slayer. Yeah, okay. So. Yeah, they're not going to be good this year. Um, I'm trying to get my got dang internet to show me the rest of their schedule but the um the other point i wanted to make too though is i will say just wanted to give some props to caleb williams we always talk about small sample size but that was small sample size argument for a heisman i didn't think a heisman should only play half of the team's games and win it but as far as like being a good quarterback he definitely played enough to show that he was a great quarterback um yeah so then florida tennessee and then so, like, their full schedule, right? You play Oregon. That's a toss-up. Maybe Oregon will be good. Maybe not. Samford is a stomp. South Carolina is a stomp. Kent State is a stomp. Missouri's a stomp. Auburn's probably going to be a stomp. Vanderbilt's a stomp. Florida is interesting. Tennessee is interesting. Is Mississippi it State's Florida? a stomp. What? Is it at Florida or at Georgia? It's at. Uh, it is at the, Florida. If it's in a swamp, I mean, Anthony Richardson um, – is a quarterback that you kind of want to watch out for. I don't know really who else they have besides him. He's like really up and down too, though, is the thing. It's like he is, but if you're, I mean, if you've got them on the, on the road in your place, uh, that's a tough environment to play. We saw Alabama and Bryce Young struggle last year. Uh, I would really not be surprised at all if that's a game or. Yeah. It's uh, like Kentucky. God, what's his name? Can you think the quarterback's name? Anthony Richardson, or no, the quarterback Stetson Bennett. Yeah, or Stetson Bennett, the fifteenth or whatever. I can see him having just a horrible game um, in the swamp. I would not be surprised by that. That's the only, to me, that's Georgia's "quote unquote" kryptonite, which sounds bad because last year, you know, he played so well down the stretch, or whatever mm-hmm. you want to say about him. 
but I think he's the only thing that could hold them back. I think their defense will be maybe not historically as great as it was last year, but they'll still have a good defense. I think their offense will be significantly better than it was last year. Um, yeah. So it's just really a question of how how good Stetson Bennett is. Yeah, and then they also, to round up there, they play at Kentucky, which could be interesting. I don't know. Kentucky kind of plays right into what Georgia is good at, though, is the problem. I know people are high on Will Levis. I don't yeah. know how to feel about Will Levis. Will Levis is a stud. He's a good quarterback. I don't I wouldn't, I don't know if he's getting a little too much hype right now, but he's a good quarterback. So, And then um, Georgia Tech to round up the year. I think so like, last year they played, you know, most of their biggest games they played at home, which was, I mean, you can't control that, but it's just how it fell this year. Uh, their two toughest games will be at Kentucky and at Florida. I can see them losing one of those games. Uh, yeah, sure. and then Oregon, the Oregon game is at a is at a neutral site, right? It's at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. So, That's <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. And so the, I, there's two and a half, like... I can see them losing. Games. I can see them losing to Oregon, and I can see them losing to... Um, Florida. I would not be surprised because, you know, every year I'm tying the table for Oregon. <laughs> but, I mean, they've got Noah Sewell. They have um, some Bone guys. Nick. I was just, you know, talking about their defense. They've got Noah Sewell. They have some other guys that are going to be studs. Um, like even last year, the problem for them was their quarterback play. So, we've seen Bo Nix, you know, be solid – yeah, in the past. So, if Bo Nix can can be a vintage, phenomenal Bo Nix, I can see them winning that game or at least making it close. And it'll be a close game, and that's what I'm hoping for. But I'm yeah. also the same guy that always tells you if Oregon deserves to be in the playoffs until they lose. And they don't. Pounding the table for two lost Penn State to be the top Big Ten team. Yeah, but last year they had whatever that quarterback's name is that was horrible for Oregon. What was his name? God, Anthony Brown. He was terrible, yeah. and they would not uh, get rid of him, and, or not get rid of him. But they would not bench him and play somebody else. But the interesting part about the Oregon game that I just thought about right now: Oregon versus Georgia. Oregon's head coach is former Georgia defensive coordinator Dan Lanning. Mm-hmm. So, as bad as Oregon's defense has been in the past. Um, it's never been a question of talent. They've always had the talent. It's been about discipline. Well, with Dan Lanning, somebody who's been able to sit there under Kirby Smart and learn discipline, and that Georgia program's always incredibly disciplined. Um, if Oregon can can rein in that that raw talent that they have on defense and add some discipline to it, um, to pair with an offense that's got weapons and has Bo Nix, that's going to be a good game. So that's an interesting thing too that I didn't even. Remember mentioned was that Dan Lanning left Georgia their defensive coordinator left and same with um I think Lanning will be uh, Mario Cristobal is a great recruiter and I, I like him as a coach but I think if you're trying to change the culture and commit to toughness and physicality I think Lanning is the way to go and so I like that hire yeah uh, for them well, I was just talking about from Georgia's perspective. I think that's going to lead to a little regression. In the same vein that I think that Clemson's not going to be as dominant as, they, as they've been in the like recent couple of years because they were a really good defensive team. And now Brent Venables, who 
personally, I don't think is going to be a great head coach um, is now, you know, gone. And so we'll have to see Clemson without that. I think that's, Clemson. Yeah. That's the big thing about like Georgia and Clemson, right. Is they've been consistently good for the past couple of years, but they haven't really had to go through the whole replacing their coordinators every year, like Alabama or uh, Alabama does. I don't know why specifically Alabama. It seems Alabama like. doesn't have to do that. Yeah, and it's because their coordinators were not great. I mean, Pete Golding, to his credit, was actually pretty decent. I think that people give him a hard time because they think of Pete Golding from two years ago. I'm and one of those people. He's not that guy anymore. He's he's improved. He's having fun. You know, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a dark horse Heisman candidate this year. Um, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, except uh, Bill O'Brien was really bad, and that is why he did not leave. Um, he, was, he was really bad, and I still don't think Pete Golding's all that great. But continuity, I think, is undervalued. Yeah, that's uh, true. Coaching, and as bad as those guys were, having a young quarterback like Bryce Young um, have another year under the same offensive coordinator, and the same goes for the defense, having a young defense full of talent uh, get their defensive coordinator back, I think is, is undervalued, and I think it's going to be something that we end up, you know, talking about uh, late in the season. And it's uh, you know, basically as to why they're both sides of the ball are having the success that they are. I, I'm really excited for a bunch of, like, coaches' new, like, first year of their new spot, right? I seem like there's a, quite a few major coaching moves. With Dan Lanning, that's going to be interesting. I mean, Lincoln Riley jumping ship from Oklahoma to USC – could be pretty interesting, you know. USC is kind of consistently underperformed. Uh, they get all this hype, like, "Oh, USC's back. We're back in the golden age of football." Blah blah blah, and then they like are bad again. Jackson Dart couldn't carry them last year to a good record. He's now at Old Miss, which is a pretty good pairing, in my opinion. Um, Matt Brett Venables, 2.0. yeah, Brett Venables, I think, is going to not do great at Oklahoma. I'm just not a big fan of. I mean, I guess it probably works better at the college level, but like defense first coaches, I don't think are is the way to go. Like, I mean, Kirby Smart and all them showed that it could happen at a college level successfully. And maybe my my mind is just thinking of like NFL. But you're a defense guy that went to. I mean, granted, the best of the worst, right? The Big Twelve was probably the worst defensive conference. Oklahoma is probably the best of those teams. But I think it's going to be harder than when you're at Clemson stifling other ACC teams. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how that all turns out. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got Brian Kelly at LSU. Yeah, I forgot Notre about Day. Brian Kelly and his Southern accent. Yeah, his fake Southern accent. And then you've got, um, I guess the flip side of that would be Marcus Freeman taking over at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that would be interesting. Specifically, I think the Brian Kelly thing is one to keep an eye on because they're in our conference. He's a coach that's had a lot of success um, overall in his career. Um, one of the bigger coaching names in all of college football is in our conference. Um, so that's, yeah, definitely something to watch and pay attention to. I'm just, I'm ready for college football already. It's really not even that far uh, away if you think about it. I mean, I'm not one of those people that's like sitting there on their calendar, like checking off the days, but um, college football 
football, like nothing beats college football season. That time of year is like almost magical to me. Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, and then, but I think we should end the show with something that's happening right now. Let's talk about basketball a little bit. You know, the yeah, playoffs. we got some NBA playoffs. Yeah, I'm 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 a big NBA guy. I mean, tonight is game two between Celtics and Miami. Um, Celtics playing at Miami. Miami won one eighteen to one oh seven. And actually, the Celtics were holding a decent lead in the first half. They just kind of fell apart. And unfortunately for the Celtics, I think that their season's kind of falling apart right before their eyes. A bunch of their players either got hurt or tested positive for COVID. They're going to miss a couple of games. Al Horford, who's been arguably the most important piece on their team in the playoffs, missed game one. is questionable for game two. So it's just... I don't think they have enough firepower, enough left in the tank to outclass Miami at this point. But that being said, with the way they started the season, even if they lose, you know, in the Eastern Conference Finals, this is an incredible run for Ime Odoka's first season as head coach. They were like flat out bad at the beginning of the season. But then after his system finally clicked, they became, I think, the best defensive team in the league in the second half. Super impressive what he's been able to do. Yeah, I mean, they've had a great season and making it to Eastern Conference Finals, like you said, with the first-year coach is very impressive. And, and Tatum's been unbelievable. It's hard for, for anyone to just not like that guy unless you're a rival fan. But um, I, I don't know. I thought they could have taken game one. Obviously, the injuries and the COVID and all that played a factor. Um I thought they had the heat right where they wanted, and then they kind of just imploded. Yeah. Uh, game two tonight should be a little interesting. Um, if I had to pick, I'd probably say the Celtics bounce back and win. I don't think this is a series. I put on the dock. Um, could we see some sweeps in both series? I don't think this is a, a series where we'll see a sweep. Uh, I think this will be a very close series and could you know, easily go to a, a game seven which is probably not something that Miami Heat or Boston Celtics fans want to hear. But I think the Celtics bounce back and they take game two tonight uh, with uh, Horford playing uh, will be huge for them. And then uh, other series, the Warriors won the first game against uh, the Mavs, basically blew them out, came up with a formula to quote-unquote shut Luka down. I mean, he still had some points, but he wasn't – doing the things that were... He only had, like, 20, I think. Yeah. He had, like, six field goals, and he was seven turnovers or something. Um, but it, I think that series is the one where you could see, like, a 4-0 sweep or maybe Mavs still one game. But I think the series to keep an eye on is the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not going to say that it's a lock to, to have Golden State represent the West, but I think that the chances of that happening are, are pretty likely considering how they dismantled the Mavs. And we talked about it on Monday. We said that which Golden State team are we going to see? Are they going to sleepwalk through this series like they did uh, in the last series with Memphis and spawn them a couple games? Or are they going to wake up and play more, the same Warriors basketball that we've seen um, lead them to be successful over like the last decade? And we saw them come out and blow the doors off of, of Dallas – yeah, well, 
I am just saying someone did say that the Warriors are going to sweep the Mavericks. But it's only one game in. And you said did I say that? No, I said it. Oh. Last, last show. I, I told you, bring out the brooms. It's going to be a sweep. But I think and then I also said, I'm just to. kidding. It's going to be 4-1. That, that's still my prediction. I think the Mavericks are going to take a game. Um, as far as the Celtics heat, I'm sticking with my heat and six prediction. I don't think it's going to be a sweep. And I just think it's, you know, you can have sweeps. But at this point, there's four teams left. They're the four best teams. It's really hard to sweep in the first round, let alone once you're playing against the two, you, you know, once you're the two best teams left in the conference. So that being said, you said something about, are the Warriors going to spot them some games like they did in Memphis? And the answer is no, not yet. But you have to remember in Memphis, they didn't spot them the games until it was like a 3-1 series, right? Or a 2-0 lead. So I think the spotting in the games comes once they get a little complacent with a series lead. Right, they try really hard the first couple of games, take a lead, and then they maybe take a game off. And I think that that's why it's going to be a four-one series. But I'm very confident in my Golden State Warriors. Oh, you know, so center. who do you, who do you have winning tonight? You think the Celtics take a game tonight? Uh, no, I think in Miami. I think it, I think. Oh, they, so you think it goes? Miami wins both home games, and Boston wins their both home games. Um. I'll go Miami twice, Boston, Miami, Boston, Miami. Okay. Like, Miami will win the first two, and then they'll trade games. To the I actually game. think that um, Boston wins tonight, and then they win both their games, but then um, Miami comes back. Comes back 3-1? Yeah. Ooh, that's spicy. It is spicy, but. And then, um, you know. So, some quick baseball news because I was talking to you about it before the show. But the Cardinals on Saturday, the card, St. My St. Louis Cardinals. I'll just bring it up because I'm a fan of the team. Obviously, they've been getting rocked recently. They lost 11 to four yesterday. Uh, but what takes this thing off of that is they announced that they're calling up their top two prospects in Matthew Libertor. I don't know if it's Libertor or Libertore, but I guess so. You'll, uh, I, yeah, we'll find out on Saturday. And Nolan Gorman, who's going to start at second base. So I'm super excited. Those two are like the next two future players. The last player that we called up that got a lot of hype was Dylan Carlson, and he's been really good for us. Um, so I'm I'm just super excited about that. I just want to throw that in there. But that's all I have, unless you have something else. I don't think I need to talk about my Washington Nationals and their struggles. I think. Well, we'll yeah, be... the Reds have almost passed you guys, right? Yeah, I think we'll, <laughs> we'll end this show on a on a positive note, talking about the Cardinals, not the Nationals. But yeah. um, thank you, everyone, for, for tuning in and watched. Hopefully, maybe at some point, there'll be three people on here. At some point, we'll have Clack. Nah, um, he's a kind of a figment of our imagination at this point. Clack doesn't exist. He never has. Yeah, I don't think he ever existed. He's an enigma. But um, thank you, everybody, who, who watched. And we'll be back on Monday to, to dive into some more sports conversation. Sports. <laughs>